Welcome to the Data Stack Show. Each week, we explore the world of data by talking to the people shaping its future. You'll learn about new data technology and trends and how data teams and processes are run at top companies. The Data Stack Show is brought to you by Rudderstack, the CDP for developers. You can learn more at rudderstack.com. Welcome to the Data Stack Show, still recording on site at Data Council in Austin. We had a great conversation with Firebolt. And the one we're about to have is with a uh, company called Great Expectations. Now, Costas, this is what I'm interested in as far as Great Expectations. One, the name, but two, it has really seen, you know, sort of of the data quality, data observability, variety of tools. The community and adoption that Great Expectations has is is pretty impressive, you know, and I think that as, as an open source project in that space, They've really had a ton of adoption. And so I'm interested to hear about, you know, sort of the origin story, like why did they choose to open source it, you know, and how they've how they've grown that community. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, learning more about the community is something that I definitely I hope to happen. Like they are they have a very vivid community, but they're one of these, you know, like cases like the community that you have like on DBT, like people are like obsessed with the technology. So yeah, I mean. I want to learn more about the technology itself, how it differentiates with the rest of like the data quality tools out there and chat about the community and what it means to have an open source dimension to a product that mainly does data quality. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. All right, let's dig in. Let's do it. Ben, welcome to the show. I have been lurking sort of in the background, looking at great expectations for a long time. So really fun to meet you here at Data Council Austin and and hear about the origin story. So thanks for giving us some time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Okay, so give us your background and tell us what led to, you know, sort of starting great expectations. Yeah, well, so my background is basically started as an accountant and then switched over into healthcare when accounting became, I I was in hedge funds. I was basically working to make sure that billionaires stayed billionaires. And I didn't (laughs) feel like that was doing anything good for the world. And I had a good friend in Boston at the time who told me, you got to get into healthcare and data is where it's at. So switched over doing analytics uh, in data. And that led me to meet up with Abe. And we realized there's, there's a lot of work to be done to help analytics in healthcare, you know, help more people and work faster. So this was a consulting firm. It was not a a product firm at all. So Uh, it wasn't SaaS from the beginning. No, no, not at all. We, We were sort of like a tools, we tools enabled like consulting. And, and so my background led to you know, figuring out how can we sell consulting? How can we do data engineering for healthcare companies? Sure. Yeah, not not where we started, but we had this meeting way back at the beginning where I remember us saying, yeah, it's okay, Abe, if you spend 5% of your time on great expectations because, yeah, maybe that'll help your career somehow. We're not sure. <laughs> That's but, like, yeah, it's, it was, Google does like whatever twenty percent time or something is like you get five percent. Yeah, it was like okay, we'll we'll and we'll allow that as superconductive health. But it became clear in two thousand nineteen that great expectations had legs. It was taking off. There was a lot of demand cross industry, and so we pivoted the company to just back great expectations and figure out how to take that to market. Just trying to figure out how to build some tooling that would enable us to 
actually create value at the organizations and already being deeply embedded in their teams and figuring out what are the problems that they're really trying to solve. That's, you know, I know DBT has a great story there. And same thing, we had real problems that we were trying to solve with this little side project and we would use it on our early clients and, uh, and then it, it started to take off on its own. Okay. So it's, it's really interesting for me to hear that you were in the healthcare space doing work there because I wouldn't think the natural like decision is we're going to open source this and really build an open source ecosystem around this tool, right? Because healthcare is, you just kind of think about like protecting IP in healthcare. <laughs> and so I, tell us that story. Like, I mean, Great Expectations has an, an unbelievable community around it. And how did that come yeah. out of the healthcare consulting? Yeah. So actually Great Expectations was started by cross-team collaboration with Abe and James, who was working with the NSA. And they were, they were sort of collaborating across organizations to figure out how can we, you know, solve some of these problems we're seeing. So that was going on in parallel to us building up this healthcare consulting firm. Got it. And that was the 5% yeah, type. Yeah. And, it, you know, you can go over there and do that thing you're doing, Abe. And eventually James came over and joined our team as we, as we moved more towards, you know, getting great expectations out there. But James and Abe really started this together. And he's, James is our co-founder, but he was in a different company when, when he <laughs> helped co-found our, what we've got going on. So yeah, it started across industry. And we've never had like a demand for it from like specific industries. Got it. Yeah. It's always been just like demand from everywhere. Um, and then we tried to use it in healthcare a little bit. Yeah. So. Makes total sense. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, you stole my question. Oh, it's a good one. Well, first off, I, we, we love the name Great Expectations. I think, I don't know if that was Abe and James together, but definitely Abe's got his name all over it loving, you know, old English literature and, and Charles Dickens. And so the, the puns with Pip and Stahl, Great Expectations, yeah. just, it's endless. But So good. Um, that Basically, <laughs> so good. the idea was that we want to build a shared standard for data quality and do that out mm -hmm. in the open and figure out, figure out how we can validate and test if we're getting what we expect from data at different points in the life cycle. And then, you know, there's lots of different places you can go, but that's the entry point into figuring out how to collaborate better around data and enable collaboration. And, okay, I'll ask, I have like a multiple question later on, that, but I'll start with many things are happening right now, like in the industry, right? I mean, common is that there and the quality, data quality space or like data observability, like there are different terms that are used, right? Yeah. What's the difference? Like, how do you see, like, great expectations compared like, with what is happening with this category? I mean, where we stand in terms of the categories, like, are we figured it out or we're still, like, trying to figure it out? <laughs> yeah, well, I'd, I'm going to tell you that we figured it out. <laughs> Just, I mean, I'm, I'm mostly kidding here, but yes, there's a lot of work to do in, in figuring out from an industry how the industry is going to play out. But as we think about the problem space, as opposed to going after it in a way where you're sort of doing anomaly detection or you're, 
you're just trying to see, you're observing data. We're starting at it from the point where you say, well, we want to be able to test that data as it moves through a system is fit for the purpose that we we want it to be fit for. And so in order to do that, you have to have people defining, you know, this is what we expect it to look like. And we don't think you can ever get away from people. So when you talk about like human in the loop AI systems where you have, you know, people involved, that's mm. that's more closely what we think it looks like as opposed to AI coming in and solving everything and telling you what the problems are you need to know. It's more human in the loop systems that that sort of evolve with machine learning and work together to, to figure out how to make stuff faster and automate a lot of those pieces. Yeah, makes, makes the full sense. So, because in this industry, like we love to borrow, let's say, terminology from software engineering. So, software engineering, we have like unit tests, we have like integration tests, like it's a much more mature like discipline when gaplet looking there, right? What you would say that in software engineering is closer to what great expectation is, is like, it's like building like unit tests, for example, something similar to that. Is it like something else? Like that's, I mean, other people are talking about observability and they're talking yeah. about, you know, data build, for example, like when it comes like to what it is. So what you would say is like the closer part of the from software engineering to what great expectation? Yeah, I've seen that question quite a few times. And when we've talked about it internally, we would look at testing and observability as two sides of the same coin that you can't really you can't really split them apart and say, okay, we're we're doing this. So for us, you you can't get away from observability as something that you need like you've got to be able to kind of see what if I come into my data warehouse or let's say I've got all my data and um in S3 and running over here, we've got Spark and then we've got piping it into a data warehouse. And then we've got, you know, after that, we're using Jupyter Notebooks to do some analysis. I want to be able to see everything and understand and understand where the problems are. And so, yes, that's important, but understanding the specific tests and places where you can validate, that's the other side of the coin that you can't like separate those out. So in our platform, we feel like you've got to build both of those to make sense. The testing, you can build individual tests and that um, that would be a very manual and labor-intensive process to build all the tests that you want. And so we need to have machine mm. coming in and say, well, how can we get 80% of that automatically? And, that, and that's where you get into kind of more smart tooling. And then also building observability into this, making sure that you can see that in a in an easy way from a central place or making sure you're alerting the right people that need to be alerted. So yeah, both sides of those we feel are really important. Mm -hmm. And I'll get back to software engineering and get in. We probably like concept of like CI C D there where testing happens you know, right? Like we write the tests when the code is like Forced to deliver poster at some point, but you get built like the basically ramp, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All the things that like software engineers know about. What's the frozen with data? Because we don't really have CICD, right? Like we have like something, I don't know, completely different, like Gage. So yeah. there is in the pipeline of like create capturing, creating, and consuming data exists. Where, where should we test it as, as a necessary step? Yeah. Well, first off, it is cool to see some companies actually going after that versioning of data. I love seeing that that sort of action happening. Obviously, there's a lot of work to do there, but 
as far as as far as testing goes, where should it fit in? Same way you would do with software, we would say that before you release a model to production and start, you know, getting production results off it, you want to make sure it's tested. And let's say, um, you know, in the same way software, you would say, oh, well, I'm going to commit, I'm going to make a commit. And now I'm going to, you know, run my integration tests or I've got unit tests on that. And then we run that before we deploy. It's kind of the same pattern with data. It's just that we don't have mature infrastructure around that process yet in the industry. But you're starting to see a lot of those pieces get built out, especially like you see it in MLOps. You've got all this tooling that's coming out there. We, we see a lot of that tooling as being built, and we are right in the middle of that. Like you have to test before you deploy the same way you would with software. All right. So let's talk a little bit about open source. What's the relationship with open source? Yeah. So again, we, we were talking a little bit before this, and I mentioned I might have been a skeptic a few years ago, and now I'm like... Why would you ever build a company without having an open source product? Which is so interesting, right? Because you think, I mean, to your average person, you say, hey, we're going to build something and we're going to give it away for free to the entire world. And then we're going to build a business on it. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of say like. The business trade okay. is going, wait, wait, wait. You know, <laughs> right, exactly. It's not making sense. Yeah. But I guess there's two things. One, I think, like, this is my personal belief. I think most people are good. And they want to do good things. And so this appeals to both the altruistic side of me mm -hmm. and most of the people I work with and the people I remember working with. They love doing something cool and giving it away. So that's the one. It actually appeals to a, like a, a, a side of us that's very personal and we want mm -hmm. to do something good and cool. And that feeds into like how much excitement you get, right? And then the other side is, well, if I want to get if I want to be deploying my product and get thousands of people using it and eventually millions, like what's the fastest way to do that? It's to build something that users from the bottom of, you know, bottoms up approach where the people who actually use the software can just get it for free. They can tell their friends about it. They can deploy it. They can share it. Building in ways that you can share it. Open source is fantastic for disseminating, you know, an idea and getting it out there in a way that, you know, if you have a paywall, it's just it's just mm. be much slower, orders of magnitude slower. Yeah. Talk about the time a little bit. Uh, and I know, like, we're coming up on time here because you have a team dinner to get to. <laughs> so yeah. we'll, we'll be respectful of that. But talk about the time. So did you start out as open source? Because I know you said, like, even maybe in the early days, you didn't necessarily think that open source is like, this is the best decision, you know, we've ever made. Like, how long did it take? Because there's an adoption period. There's sort of a validation period from a community standpoint. Yeah. Uh, how did that play into it? Yeah. Well, I would say at the very beginning, we, Abe and I had a conversation at one point where Abe was saying, you know, if our company never makes money, I would still be really happy if the open source project mm. really got far and wide and a lot of people used it and understanding that, okay, there's this other side that we're going to be happy to build a community mm -hmm. and build open source and then bringing it back now where it's like, well, even if we were making a lot of money, it would feel like a failure if the open source project died or we didn't, you know, we mm. weren't able to create something actually useful for a mm. lot of companies. So there's a commitment to open source 
that sort of supersedes the commitment to the business, but then the business, like it's, it's really going to follow there. There's a lot of business value in having mm. that open source community. So the timeline is really, okay, let's put it out there. Let's see what happens. We start to get, you know, a few hundred stars, people using it. We start to see deployments. And then it was really figuring out that we're trying to build a shared language. Hmm. So we need a community because a language cannot exist without a community. Sure. Or, or like grow or develop. Yeah, or to grow or develop. And so starting that community and then starting to see the growth of that, that, that was really what kind of inspired us to realize, okay, this is how we can build a business around mm-hmm. this. And, and it was a couple, you know, it was a couple of years before we really could see that. Sure. And at the beginning, it was sort of a side project, but after a couple of years, you see that yeah. growth and then we could tell, okay, we can build a business. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's easy to look back and say a couple of years, but you know, we can all think of experiences in our life where like going through a several year period of something, like it doesn't necessarily feel like just a couple of years when you're in the middle of those years, you know? (laughs) Well, and during those years, we did hire, I think maybe one or a couple engineers and those of us on the consulting side were paying for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. We didn't have investment, but it was super fun during those years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we want to be respectful of your time. So I have one more question than Costas. I'll give you the last word here. So you went from, you know, making sure that billionaires stay billionaires. And so what is it like sort of coming from that world and then maybe even the healthcare world, you know, where there's sort of maybe, you know, in healthcare, there's probably like bureaucracy, things move slower. What's it like now working for sort of a, a really modern open source company in the data space? Like what are sort of the biggest things that you notice as differences? Well, I think, I think for my personality, I needed to be in a smaller organization. So I really appreciated just being able to be with a group of people who get together and decide together, like, what's the best thing to do here? Not what are you supposed to do? Not what does that, you know, report say I'm supposed to do? Not what is this policy, but what should, what should we do? What's the best thing to do? And so it feels really fun to do that and then be around other people who just want to do that. I mean, I think, I think the small startup, you know, really attracts those mm-hmm. types of people. I also am kind of a, a risk junkie. So I, <laughs> just wanted to see if we could do it. If we fail, okay, you know, sorry, we're out yeah. of, out some money, you know, take a hit on the salary, but let's see if we can do this. And if we do, it's really exciting. So that, that definitely resonated with me personally. But also, like, if you talk to Abe, he is, he's been kind of pretty vocal about being really concerned with how data is used. Mm. And is it ethical? Like, are we doing things that are actually good in the world with data? And one of the cool things about Great Expectations is it it kind of helps you make explicit some of the assumptions and the rules and the things that you're expecting about data. And that has larger implications for, Mm. like, should we do this with our data, right? And making that explicit in documentation. And so it's kind of fun to have have some ethical purpose behind what you're doing as well. Yeah. Before you get the last word, Costas, I just want to say I really appreciate that and I appreciate it sounds like there's an ethos inside of Great Expectations where you're doing some like really interesting technical things, but it's very clear that there's a culture where you see the larger picture and sort of operate according to a value system within that. And I just really appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah. 
that means a lot. At the end of the day, we're, we're all people here and, and, and we're building some software, but we're, we're people building yep. software. So thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's like one, you know, having this kind of, this dimension of this, like in the companies work super is, let's say, one money from grid, from one extreme, and we're looking forward to see like, what's next for great expectations? So that's my last question. Like what we should like share with us something exciting that is coming like in the near future. Yeah. Well, I'd say there's, there's been so many, like, I, I mean, we're really excited about all these opportunities there are, but a focus for us going forward is always going to be to invest in the community around great expectations and invest in the open source, kind of build that up to be something that is super useful, not just for an individual to start to make some tests, but maybe an individual to, you know, put hundreds or thousands of tests on a data warehouse really, really quickly and, and be able to do that just with the open source product, right? So there's a lot more investment we can do to make it seamless, to make it easy to use. And we're not just going to save those for the, the commercial product. We're going to do a lot of that in the open source so that, so that we can really feel good about, hey, we're enabling data engineers to do something, you know, really powerful just with the open source product. And then obviously it is, is, is exciting to see how we can deploy that in organizations at the enterprise level, and that's going to involve collaborative workflows. So that, that's my role. I'm personally excited to, to see us release a, a commercial product that can, that can enable enterprises to do some, do some good stuff with data quality. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. I think we're going to get you out the door in time for team dinner. And we're excited to talk with Abe tomorrow. This will be a two-part episode. Awesome. This will be really fun. But Ben, thanks for giving us some of your time. Yeah, thank you so much. So good to be here. What a fun conversation. I cannot wait uh, to talk with the technical co-founder. Uh, a couple of things, I think. You know, it's always amazing to hear the origin stories. And, you know, there, there are a lot of similarities here with the DBT story, you know, where you sort of have a consultancy and then technology coming out of it. And I think one of my takeaways, I have two. Um, the first one is it takes a lot of courage, you know, to be running a consultancy and, you know, you can, you can make a lot of money with a consultancy and, you know, do cool things. And they were in the healthcare space, you know, and that can have a really significant impact in a positive way. And to say, okay, we're going to go like, really invest in this open source side project. I know it takes a lot of courage and I just have a huge amount of respect for teams that that can do that because that's, you know, you look back now and it's like, oh, this is so cool. There's a great community, right? But in the very beginning, that's a very sort of, it can be a scary proposition. And then the other thing is, you know, I just hats off to them for, you know, doing the pip install great expectations because that's one of the cleverest like tech company names and conventions that I've ever heard of. It makes me smile every time I think about it. I want to install it just so I can type that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like they know what they're doing for sure. Like on many different levels, like. Uh, on the product level, on the community level, and like uh, more, most importantly, what I, I want to keep from this conversation is like the passion that the founders have about building a company and the whole, like, let's say what it means to build a company outside of like just the founders, right? And that's exactly where like it makes it so interesting 
to see people obsessed so much with the, the community. Like they don't see the work that this company is doing just like gave as a way like to create value in a very monetary way. Like there are more things there. And I think that's what, I mean, the, as I said, like during the conversation, that this is what like differentiates like really good companies to, with, to great companies, what, what makes like a great company, but also like it's a huge, huge indicator of like the commitment that the founders have to make this happen. So I'm very happy that I must have this conversation and connect with the great expectation people. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to see what's next uh, for them because they are very creative and I'm sure that we are going to be surprised. Outside of this and a bit more on the technical uh, side, I love the fact that we see more and more of like best practices from software engineering entering like mm. the work of working with data. We discussed about like unit testing and how like great expectations like are like related to that. So yeah, I mean another great conversation and i think we should have uh, more conversations with the great expectation folks there are other people in the team there that i think should be on the show i agree we'll do it all right several more great episodes coming at you from recording on site at data council austin we'll catch you on the next one we hope you enjoyed this episode of the data stack show be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get notified about new episodes every week We'd also love your feedback. You can email me, Eric Dodds, at eric at datastackshow.com. That's E-R-I-C at datastackshow.com. The show is brought to you by Rudderstack, the CDP for developers. Learn how to build a CDP on your data warehouse at rudderstack.com.